Well, good morning. <laughs> My name is Neil Chotai, pastor of Church Life, and we are continuing our series on the values that we have at West Park Church. So Pastor Charles started off last week, and we are continuing for the next few weeks um, just to tell everybody about what West Park is all about and kind of like a refresher for some of us in the room as well. Well, he talked about a tagline, and we want you to memorize this tagline, and it's right here, everyday people on a journey together pursuing Christ. So, on the count of three, you don't have to memorize it, because you can just read it off the screen. It's on the count of three, let's be interactive. Okay, let's say this tagline together. One, two, three. Everyday people on a journey together pursuing Christ. You guys sound like an angelic choir, wonderful. Beautiful, beautiful, absolutely beautiful. So today, I have the honor of speaking on cultural diversity. And when you look at West Park, we are a diverse group of people here um, on Sundays and throughout the week. And cultural diversity is demonstrated by embracing multiple cultures and generations. Now, to be honest, when we were dividing up what value what pastor was supposed to speak on, Right? I wondered why I got the cultural diversity piece. Okay? So I was thinking, because it has to do with a couple of things. There's cultures and generations, so it's twofold. So let me think why. And it could have a monopoly on both. Okay? So my cultural background is uh, from India. My grandparents came from India on both sides. Northwest corner, a state called Gujarat. So back then, it was all... British Empire in those days, okay? You know, British Empire everywhere. So the British said, hey, we want people to move and move west. So for them, west was East Africa, which was the present day now, Uganda and Kenya. So back then it was called British East Africa. So that's where both my grandparents went. They raised their families. My dad was the oldest of five. My mother was the 11th of 12 children. Ooh, I know, can you imagine? As soon as my mom was born, she had a nephew three years older than her. That's totally bizarre and crazy. I know, I know, totally crazy. So um, they, you know, they grew up there. And then my mom, my background's Hindu, so my mom was at the temple. And then my dad's dad saw my mom. So my dad's dad went to my mom's dad and said, hey, why don't we talk and have my son and your daughter marry each other? So they got married. It was called an arranged marriage. Okay, God, you know, kind of, I guess, was in it somewhere, <laughs> but it was arranged marriage. So then, um, so at that time, you know, a little bit afterwards, there was a time of independence movements within these countries. Uganda gained independence, Kenya gained independence. So, time when I was born, right, um, there was a military dictatorship that took over in Uganda. And a guy named by Idi Amin took over. And when he came into power, he said, all Indians have 90 days to leave the country. Otherwise, we will round them up and put them in camps. So every Indian was going, we were born here, what, what's going on here? So then we fled as soon as we could. And uh, my father had said when he was alive that we were on one of the last uh, planes leaving Uganda. So it was, it's a little bit emotional because it's incredible that something like that would happen. But I see God's hand all over this. So what happened was we fled, um, took whatever we could. My dad said we were basically on one of the last flights leaving, uh, went to the United Kingdom. So we were in England. 
We were refugees in England. Refugees. Sounds really weird in England. So we were in camp for about a couple of weeks or a few months, something like that. And then after that, after a couple, two or three years, we moved to Canada. And we settled in a little place called Oshawa, Ontario, a metropolis of a city. <laughs> so I went to elementary school there, me and my brothers. And it was school was around 700 people. And not a lot, wasn't a lot of cultural diversity there. Okay, there was like, I think, maybe seven of us that were different. Let me put it this way. We were the chocolate chips in a big vanilla cookie. <laughs> so then I go to high school, and high school's a little bit different. In high school, my last year, uh, I had people witnessing to me, actually over a two-year period, and I became a Christian in my very last year. Felt the call to ministry, went to um, Ottawa for actually business, um, you know, for a couple of years, and the Lord let me to be drop out of university. If this is being shown to my kids, do not show this part at all. <laughs> I just realized that. Okay, so, so then, so then I, I, you know, I was on staff at a church working there. Um, went to Bible college, then went back to Britain for a, a little stint, came back to the GTA, and, um, and, and I started being in a church in a place called Whitby, Ontario, another metropolis, right beside Oshawa. And there, the Lord blessed me, I tell you. I, the Lord brought me the most beautiful woman I've ever seen in my life, okay? After two or three years of her stalking me, I said, yes, I will get married. <laughs> no, I just, joke, totally a joke, totally a joke. But I thank God that love is blind because I have no idea what she sees in this. But God is good all the time and all the time God is good. So amen to that. So and now we have three very busy young boys. So... My wife's background is actually from the British Isles, a little bit Nordic. And back in December, I talked about genealogy, and she's actually 0. I think 0.01% Indian, my Indian, which is a which is big deal, which is really big. So my kids are majority Indian then. So, so you know, we're your average run-of-the-mill, you know, average run-of-the-mill Indo-Afro-Anglo-Canadian family. And that's what we are. So I think you got the cultural diversity thing all all taken care of. Um, then, then the thing about diversity in generations. So I was doing some research online, and I know online it's very tricky. You know, Sally, who was an expert in, you know, COVID-19, is now all of a sudden an expert in child rearing. Really very interesting. Um, or nuclear physics. So, so I, I found these websites, and uh, reputable websites. When it talks about generations, um, there are certain overlap in certain generations. So what I found out in my family is that you have a Gen X married a millennial who has a Gen Z child and Gen Alpha children as well. So I guess we've, we've, we, we kind of monopolize the whole cultural diversity thing here at West Park Church. So, you know, Paul says, be all things to all men. I had no idea God meant this for me. This is quite interesting. So cultural diversity, it is a beautiful thing. And I want all of us to turn to the book of Acts, chapter 17. 24 to 28. If we can stand for the reading of the word, that would be great. Again, Acts 17, 24 to 28. So I'll be reading some scripture, and then we're going, we're going to be going through the scripture. We're going to share something about West Park, and then we're going to look at some biblical aspects of cultural diversity with other scripture verses as well. So this is Luke writing in the book of Acts, and this is Paul's account as he is in Athens. This is what is written. 
The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. For one man he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. You may be seated. Now, this passage of scripture is is one of my favorite passages of the Bible. Because here we have Paul. Paul, who is a Hebrew and also a Roman citizen, became a Christ follower. And he is on these missionary trips that God is instructing him to take. And he walks into Athens. And Athens is the capital of culture, philosophy, of language. And he is there proclaiming the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, in an area that is so different, so opposite to what he would be brought up with. So he is in this type of world that has so many philosophies and so many deities. And he is a voice. He is the voice of truth in that place, declaring who God is, who Jesus is. And you know what? In a way, that is the church's responsibility. We rise up. We speak with the voice of the truth, proclaiming in the world that we live in who the true God is, and that is Jesus Christ. So he is in a world that, when you think about it, similar to ours. We have lots and lots of different philosophies, a lot of different religions, a lot of different voices out there. The 21st century is looking more like the first century, especially in the North American setting. So we're going to go through the scriptures here, and and, and this is Paul, and he's addressing the Athenian people, and he says a few things that I just want to highlight. He says, the God who made the world and everything in it, he is the Lord of heaven and earth, and he says this incredible point does not live in temples built by human hands. This God is not dependent on humanity. Because he's not. He's greater than humanity because he is the one who created all things. Everything. He goes on and he says that, you know what, he doesn't have to be served by human hands as the gods of the Athenians do. As if he needed anything. God doesn't need anything from us because he is God. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. This would have been really astonishing to the Athenians, saying that this God is the one who actually is the giver of all these things. Very interesting. Goes on, and he goes back to Genesis, and he says, From one man he made all the nations, that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times and boundaries of their lands. This would be shocking to those in Athens. That, wait a minute, this one God made this one man and all, all come from that one man? The Athenians thought, no, 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 we are separate from everybody else. Gods do this, but not one God. How is this possible? And this one man is Adam. 
And the story of creation is absolutely beautiful. And, and the way Adam's creation, when you properly look at it and see it, it's as if God is walking through the garden and he picks up some soil and he fashions Adam. And then he breathes upon him. The Ruach, the, the Spirit of God upon him. And his chest begins to move and he breathes. And that is how Adam was created. He was formed by God. And by God... Also, Eve was created from Adam, and all of us come from Adam and Eve. And God is the one who designates how long we live, and God is the one who designates the boundaries of where we will live. Paul goes on, and he says why this happens. God did this so that we may seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him. He is not far from any one of us. This is the ideology of, of like, no, God, God is there. God is close and he loves and he cares for all of us. Unlike what the Athenians thought, he's like, no, 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 gods are far away and they don't really, you know, interact with who we are unless, you know, we, get, we don't pray to them and they get angry. No, 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 this God is close. This God cares. This God wants a relationship with humanity and this God has a name and his name is Jesus. And what I love what Paul says next is absolutely brilliant. He starts quoting a couple of poets in Athens. And he, he says this, for in him, which is God, which is Jesus, we live, we move, and we have our being. And we are his offspring. See, every single thing that we do is because of God. Right now, listen to yourself breathing. That breath is given to you by God, by Jesus, and him alone. And when he says we are his offspring, he is our father and we are his children. To be one in a relationship with God, united as one with him. You know, when we look at our world today, it looks a lot more like the first century world when it comes to spirituality, when it comes to philosophy, when it comes socially. The world wants to see itself as culturally diverse, but there's so much disunity because it is not based on God. It is not based on Jesus Christ. When we look at Canada, we are a multicultural and multi-generational country, but we have problems in, in our society because what it's based on is not based on God, it is based on thought, it's based on policy, it's based on what's popular. That's the problem with our world today. Because God is the one who unites us when it comes to cultural diversity. It's not a philosophy, it's not something political, but it's a unity in God that we have as we are his children, for we are his offspring. You know, West Park Church, we're, we're, we're a very multi-generational church. Like, we're not perfect here. But you know what? That's okay. No one's perfect, only God. But we strive for this unity in cultural diversity in generations and in culture. You know, speaking of generational, our oldest member is, is over 100 years old. She's gonna be 101 in the spring. And we have babies that are being born constantly here at West Park Church. Thank you for adding to the number of the church people. This is good. 
One of the things I love to do in my ministries is to have groups that are multi-generational. Now, it's good to hang around with people of your own generation and, you know, you talk about certain things, but there's something about in being in a multi-generational group that you learn from those who are older, you learn from those who are younger. It's about this learning, it's about this family, it's about this oneness that we have in Christ and it's so important. So on Tuesday night for men's ministry at 7 p.m., yes, I'm making a selfish promotion of men's ministry on Tuesday nights at 7. What we do is we have a time of teaching. And after the time of teaching, we get into uh, small groups around 10 people or 12 guys. And then at the end, we, we divide that up into pairs. And I'd like to show you what we do in the pairs. We pray. And this is an image that I absolutely love. This is one generation praying for another. We have an older praying for the younger. We have the younger praying for the older. It's about connection. It's about coming together. That is the beauty of being in a multi-generational church where we can learn from each other. It's an absolutely beautiful, beautiful image of the diversity that we have at West Park. See, this shouldn't be happening. But what's the common core? The common thing is Jesus. Jesus is the one thing that unites us all. And as far as our multicultural part, let's take a look at this. In London, around 60 years ago, there was a group of people that came together in London, Ontario. And if you can see that yellow dot, that's amazing. But a group of people came and they said, you know, we, we need to have a church in Northwest London. They faithfully came together, a prayer meeting. And then it grew and they made a church. They, they built a church, and they made renovations to a church, and then they bought this building, and, and we are in this building now. Now, think about this. We are the result of somebody's prayer 60 years ago. Is that not amazing? 60 years ago, people we don't even know because they have gone to glory, prayed for us, and we benefit from their prayers, which is absolutely phenomenal, that we are the product of their prayers to God. So this group of people, I'm sure they didn't see what we were going to be like in 2023. Predominantly, back then, it was English-speaking, white, Anglo-Saxon, Protestant. But here at West Park, 10 years ago, the Chinese congregation was established to meet the needs of the local Chinese population. But when you look at the Chinese population, the, the Chinese congregation here at West Park, they're not primarily from China, majority of them are, but there's representation. It's very multicultural. There's people from Hong Kong and Taiwan. Around six years ago, there was a burden to reach out to the Spanish community here in London because the population was quite high. Let us start a Spanish work here at West Park for the Spanish congregation, for the Spanish people here. And again, just like the Chinese, it's very multicultural. Yes, the Spanish work encompasses many parts of the Spanish-speaking world. But we have people from all over the world in different countries. We have people from Argentina there. We have people from Venezuela, Colombia. We have people from Cuba and Mexico. It's extremely multicultural. It's not just from one country. Five years ago, our denomination, Fellowship of Evangelical Baptists, came to us and said, listen, you guys have Chinese, you guys have Spanish, you guys have English. How about Arabic? They said at that time when the influx of refugees came in from the Arabic world, London had the most per capita Arabic-speaking people than anywhere in Canada. So the decision was, it was made, that let's start an Arabic-speaking congregation here at West Park. And we did, and again, just like the Chinese, and just like the Spanish, 
they're not all from one country. They're from the Middle East and North Africa. We have people from Iraq, we have people from Syria, people from Yemen, from the Holy Land. We have people from Egypt, all together, worshiping God here at West Park Church. Again, one language, many, many different cultures. And look at the English congregation here. When I first came, it'll be eight years in, in April. Um, yes, it was multicultural, but we have totally, radically changed in our English language service. So I want all of us, if you can, if you give me the liberty, can we be interactive today? Okay, is that okay? Can you say it a little bit louder? I'm a little bit deaf. Okay, good, okay. So, here we go. If you are from, or of cultural heritage, okay, from Asia. So we're talking about far north as Russia, we're talking about Southeast Asia, far east as Japan. If that is you, the eastern part of the Mediterranean and on, if you are from the continent of Asia, please stand. I'm talking about Israel, I'm talking about all these other countries. Stay standing, no, stay standing, stay standing. Okay, we're gonna go a little bit south here, okay? How about the continent of Africa? We're gonna include the Seychelles, Madagascar, and all those, if you are from the continent of Africa. Yes, I'm standing as well, okay? Wonderful. Let's go to South America, everything south of the Panama, if that is you. Colombia, Venezuela, please stand. Okay, I'm taking really risk on this one. Australia, New Zealand, French Polynesia, Vanuatu, Fiji, all the places where Survivor is filmed. If that is you, please stand. Okay, that's okay, because I've got, I've got a surprise for you. Okay, let's go to, if you are, now I know Canada is a melting pot of other things. We're talking about first generation, okay? If your heritage is from, Europe, so we're talking about British Isles, Germany, uh, Greece, Albania, please stand. Okay, I'm gonna divide North America up a bit, okay? So we're talking about Latin North America, we're talking about Mexico, we're talking about the Bahamas, Barbados, St. Lucia, St. Kitts, Jamaica, if that is you, please stand. Okay. Do we have Americans because we love you too? <laughs> That's for you, Pastor Charles. Okay, so, and all those who have been born in Canada, please rise. Okay, now, this should not be happening in the world that we live in, okay? Different cultures coming together, having one thing in, God, in common, and that is Jesus Christ. So I think we need to thank God, give him a response. Let's give the Lord a clap offering. Let's praise his name. You may be seated. This is absolutely incredible, what we have here at West Park. It is strong, but it's also fragile because the enemy doesn't like this happening. The enemy hates it. First of all, they hate you because you're a Christ follower. Secondly, they hate it because there's a unifying force here named cultural diversity that we have. So when COVID hit, COVID may have, have, have locked down the building, but the church was still around. 
and the church did amazing things. The Chinese congregation had somebody from Singapore over Zoom. The Spanish congregation had many from Latin America joining their Zoom Bible studies. We had in the Arabic congregation, this is where I can check off Australia, a lady was on a Bible study with the Arabic congregation over Zoom. And the Canadian English congregation, we grew as well. And it's because of the love of Jesus Christ upon us as we come worshiping him and God has done all this and we thank him and we praise him. And I have the honor and privilege of working with these guys, meet with them every week. We pray for the challenges. We, we, we celebrate the victories. This is Pastor Joe from a Chinese congregation. This is Pastor Mario from our Spanish congregation. Some people think that I'm the Spanish pastor. I am not the Spanish pastor, okay? And then we have Pastor Mark, the Arabic congregation. And I love working with these guys. And God has sovereignly put these guys together. I know, not a really good pick, but hey, what are you going to do? <laughs> but you know what? It's such an honor working with these guys. And th there's two amazing things that God sovereignly has done. Put these guys together who just love, love Westbrook and love the opportunity to serve and reach in their people groups. The second thing that is amazing, as God is sovereign, he has put the four best-looking pastors in one department. For the other three, sorry. I love you too. Okay, so we're going to go quickly. Cultural diversity, big idea. God has given us a great opportunity as a culturally diverse church, and we must be faithful to this opportunity. Briefly, going to go very quickly, as time is a factor, uh, biblical principles that affirm and reinforce this value. First, cultural diversity illustrates God's creativity. We see God's creativity from the very beginning. Jesus comments about this in the book of Mark, and he says, but at the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. The creation of male and female is diversity at its most basic. The sexes are very different, yet complementary. Another act of it are different languages. We go to uh, the Tower of Abel, where people wanted to build this building up to the heavens. But what did God do? The Lord confused their language, languages of the whole world. The Lord scattered them all over the face of the whole earth. See, humankind was clustered in one area. And in Genesis 9-1, God wanted them to be fruitful and multiply. And because of the languages, all the people who were in one language group, they settled over here, another one settled over here. Cultures developed, ways of life developed resulted in the diversity that we beautifully see now. Cultural diversity illustrates God's creativity. Secondly, God equally values every culture. Let's go Galatians 3.28. Paul says there are neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for all of you are one in Christ Jesus. Jesus is the one who unites us. And our language, our culture, worship preferences, leadership style programs all take a second place to the unifying power of Jesus Christ. Ephesians 4.4. 4. There is one body, one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. No one culture, whether technically advanced, immaterially blessed, or, or anything like that, takes a premier position in any hierarchy. The gospel knows nothing of spiritual hierarchy because of the color of one's skin or their language or their demographics or their social standing. We are not valued based on our genetics, but intrinsic worth because we have been created in the image of the almighty God. Paul writes in John 
uh, sorry, in Colossians 3.11, there is no Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian or Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. In this, he's basically saying, you know what? There's no national privilege. There is no ceremonial standing. Um, there is no cultural the difference. There's no slave or free standing in society. In Christ, we are all one. We are all one. And lastly, in heaven, cultural differences will, won't matter, and they shouldn't matter here at all. We might even be saying that earth is a practice ground for heaven. John had a vision of eternity and wrote this in Revelation. After this, I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne in front of the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands, and they, in unison, united, cried out in a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. In heaven, we will stand before the author of salvation. We are cleansed, accepted, victorious, and honored. In this side of heaven, we must honor each other as well. You know, in the 1900s, there was a man by the name of William Seymour. He was a minister who founded a street mission. Now, he was the second of eight children of free slaves from Louisiana. After an encounter with God, he felt reluctantly to be a minister. God had called him, but he was sort of not chasing that. He was running away from it. But life and the calling pursued him. He decided to attend a school where he wanted to learn about God. And the school was in Oklahoma. And because of the racist segregation laws of the day, he was not able to sit in the classes. He had to sit in the hallway to hear the theological lectures. As time went by, he went to Los Angeles and he founded the Azusa Street Mission. It was at that place that William Seymour created a place where everyone would be welcome, regardless of the color of their skin, their age, their background, or their nationality. In 1906, these prayer gatherings were gaining momentum and the media was even wondering what was going on at this place called Azusa Street. And one of the greatest breakthroughs was not just a spiritual awakening, but it was that the walls of race were being broken down. Eyewitness and historian Frank Barnumann observed that the color line was washed away in the blood. This was due to the racial divides being destroyed by the blood of Jesus Christ. And to have people of different races coming together, worshiping and praying for one another was unheard of in that day because that was when lynchings were happening in the South. This was decades before Martin Luther King and the Civil Rights Movement, but God was doing an incredible thing. And I love that sentence. The color line was washed away in the blood. It may add to that the generation line was washed away in the blood of Jesus as well. You know, as Paul stated in the book of Acts in the passage that we saw earlier, it is one God that created everything. It is one God who created Adam. It was one God that formed Eve out of Adam. And we are the descendants of Adam and Eve. One God did this. And that one God is the one who destroys, who eliminates the, the racism, eliminates the divide, and brings unity 
because God is the one who brings unity. Cultural diversity, when it's based on anything other than that, will collapse. But cultural diversity in God is not based on philosophy or political policy, not based on what's popular in social media. It's based on the gospel of Jesus Christ and God loves every single one of us and wants to have a relationship with all of us. It's all about Jesus Christ. Every day I go into my office and I see this. I, I did this a few, number of years ago. And it's the name of Jesus. And in the center, it, it's, it's the language that I grew up in, in Gujarati, and it says Jesus. And then I put Hebrew in on top of that because it all starts with the Old Testament, the book of Genesis. It talks about God's love for us. While Jesus' name is not found in the Old Testament, we see the story of redemption. We see the Messiah. We see the prophecies in the Old Testament pointing to Jesus Christ. Then I have the Greek of Jesus, where we have the book of Revelation at the end. We have the epistles from godly men. We have the historical book of Acts, and we have the gospels of Jesus Christ, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all pointing to one who redeems the world with his love. And then they put English, and Chinese, and Spanish, and Arabic. Because every day I walk in, I am reminded how awesome God is, that he is a God who loves all people, all ages, and all backgrounds. That is the God that we serve. West Park Church, we are a culturally diverse church that God has supernaturally bought, brought us together from every single language group, from many different nations, all together under one, under him, under the Savior's love. And that is a wonderful thing that we need to celebrate. But I said before, this is strong here at West Park, but it's also fragile because the enemy hates this so much. And I am asking you right now that we, every single day, we pray for our church, the beautiful cultural diversity that God has put here. We are unlike any other church that I've ever seen. And no man created this. God did. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father God, we thank you so much for your love and for your grace and for your mercy that is upon all people, regardless of race, language, culture, or age. You are the mighty God, that there is only one. And Father, as Paul went into Athens to exclaim who this unknown God was, that unknown God is Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ, we thank you so much for what you did on the cross for us. We thank you that you took the wrath of God upon yourself. We are thankful so much that we don't have to face the penalty of death, but you took it on. Jesus, the one without sin, took sin for us. We thank you so much that you called us into this relationship. Thank you for the forgiveness of our sins. Thank you for the resurrection. And thank you so much for eternal life with you. And Father, thank you for this church. Thank you for what you have done. It was not a plan of any man or woman, but it came from your own mind, oh God, to have this here in London, Ontario. And Father, we pray for our church. We thank you for the unity that we have in cultural diversity. And it was because of you, because we have you in common. And right now we know the enemy hates it. But Lord, we will protect this in every single way that we can. We give you the glory and you the praise because you are worthy of God. In Jesus' name we pray this. Amen.